wanted to share a few things, a few thoughts about peace. Since we have lit the fourth candle, we've talked about love, hope, or actually faith in this case. We've talked about f hope, faith, joy, and now peace. And one of the things, when I think about peace, I think of it in terms of a military term. And when I think of peace in terms of a military term, I can't help but remember the peace for our time from Prime Minister Chamberlain back in 1938. And, the, the, and I bring this up because I think this is a, something good for us to consider when we're thinking about peace. You know, here comes Prime Minister Chamberlain. He's just been over to Germany. He's met with Hitler and he's written, he has signed a, a, an agreement that there would be peace. And he comes home and he makes the announcement there would be peace for our time. Less than a year later, there was war. And so the first message of peace, when we stop and look at peace, is depending who you make peace with, you will never have peace. You will have war. And so as we come to Christmas, when we think of Jesus in a manger, we're sometimes far removed, but there is a, an account that Jesus gives us, and he says, what man among you, if he hears that there's one coming, or what king, when he hears that there's one coming, and he, and he says that the, the, the army is coming is twice as big as your army, what are you gonna do? And he gives this as a picture between kings, but in reality, when you and I heard that the God of the universe was coming to be with us, Emmanuel, God with us, that was like that king coming from a far country. And what does the man do, the king do, that only has the small army and he hears the big armies coming? He sends and asks for conditions of peace. And so in our instance, when we hear that the Son of God has come and he has come here to be with us and is in our very midst, and we send and we say, what are the conditions of peace? And he says, everything. Complete and total surrender. And when we surrender to him, suddenly we have peace in a lot of other places. There are others, other forces in your life, in the world, that if you surrender to them, you will not have peace with God, you will not have peace with yourself, you will not have peace with anything. There are several kinds of peace that I want to talk about this morning. The first kind of peace is the external peace. This is what you think about if you're sitting out by the ocean and you watch the water f coming in and the waves, or maybe you're up in a mountain uh, lake scene, you're by a cabin, you can see the water, the moon reflecting on the water. Uh, perhaps what you're seeing is, uh, you know, I don't know where you find your peace. I've, I've seen this in the woods a lot of times. I've seen it in the mountains. I just love going to these places. It's an external peace. You might even um, find it in your house some days where everything is at peace everywhere and it's just peaceful. And like I love being able to sit and read when my house is at peace. Have a little music playing, have my book and my thoughts and everything, there's an external peace. So this is one kind of peace. A second kind of peace that we deal with is relational peace. And this is where when you can look around you and this people you see, you're like, you know, I'm at peace with this one and this one and this one. I'm at peace with everyone that I know right now. And that's a beautiful kind of peace. And if you've ever not been at peace with your relationships, you know how very, very difficult that can be. And the third kind of peace that I want to talk about specifically is peace with our origins, and our creator. 
or we might call it an internal peace. And when we talk about an internal peace, and we have peace with our creator, with peace with God, it changes things dramatically for us. And so there's two verses that I wanted to look at briefly and discuss this because what we're needing in our time is a bold peace. For instance, there are times when you can sit in an externally peaceful place where everything is beautiful and calm and peaceful around you, but inside there is no peace. The heart is raging, the emotions are raging, and you have no peace. If you look at Luke 2, 14, it's just one verse, very familiar to us. I've written it on Christmas cards since the 90s. I guess that was as soon as I was making Christmas cards. Um, I have worked, I've seen this verse, I've heard it. It's an awesome moment. I will read from verse, so Luke chapter 2 verse 13 says, Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And we just, Robert and Stacy were just sharing a piece of this. And, and what continued in, this, in the account, as, as, as Stacy and Robert continued, you get to the part where, where Stacy was down on her knees saying, in Rhema was heard a voice of weeping. And so if I am a shepherd that lives in this area and I hear the angel of the Lord come to me and say, peace on earth, and then a short while later, I am hearing the voice of Rhema weeping for her children when my, our, the wives and the mothers in our community are bereaved and we are bereaved. You know, it's a sad thing when you lose one infant. If you think about losing many of the babies, many of the infants, it's a very, very sad thing. And I would ask a question if I was that shepherd in that position and I had heard the voice of the angel speaking peace and now I was in this situation, I would ask one question, where is the promised peace? Is this, is this, is this glory to God? Is this peace? And so when we come to Christmas, we, are, we collide head on these two things, the brokenness and the wickedness of the world and the promises of God come together and there is a collision. And so what happens next really determines how we live our lives. For instance, if I come and I look at the origins of what the scripture says about me and it says that God created me and he created the world and this is his plan, but I don't continue on and I hear the conditions of peace are to complete surrender, completely surrender to Christ, I say, but do you see what he did? And I don't stop and look at all the, everything that's here and I don't understand and I say, I'm not surrendering. And for the rest of my life, that leaves me on the run from the hound of heaven where I'm trying to go find or make peace on my own. And I've met some of these people. I remember either last year or the year before, I was skiing and I met one up on the top of the lodge and we started talking and just the way he talked about God and the way he talked about, he had, when he looked at, it, it reminded me of that quote where it says that Christianity is not found, uh, tried and found wanting, but Christianity is found difficult and left untried. And that was because the difficult part is 
that I'm being asked when I'm standing here with my small army and I have all of my assets and all of my strength and here comes the king and he comes and he's overwhelming and powerful and bigger than I am and he's coming and I say, what are the conditions of peace? And he says, total surrender. And at that moment, I don't understand what is total surrender. I don't understand the love of God, perhaps. I don't understand the vast wisdom of the creator. I don't understand the resources that God has put in place for me to experience Emmanuel and God with us. And so if I don't get that part, then I'm left on the run, running from the creator of the universe, and I have no peace. I can be in some of the most peaceful places in the world and have no peace. If you go back and look at some of the battlefields throughout the years and you just visit battlefields, you get there and you, and you, you kind of expect, if you've, if you've read the account of the battle, you kind of expect to still hear the, the, the booming of the cannons and just the, the horrible noise of war. You get there and it's beautiful and it's peaceful and the wind is waving the grass and you hear birds in the treetops. It doesn't seem like a battlefield. And that was the way it was right before the battle was fought. And so there are people who are constantly looking, and we can, I am in this boat at times where I'm always looking, can you get me that peaceful spot? Can you get me that one spot where it's peaceful? Can you just have the children be quiet and let them play uh, non-destructively? And I will read my book. Can I have that? And I'm just looking for that outward peace. And then there is this, this, this second piece if you're in a family and you have that relational peace with people, you can be in a room full of people where things are noisy and loud, but you're at peace with everyone that's in there. And there's peace in the house. And if you've ever been in a house when there wasn't peace and you, you look over this way, and you're like, oh, don't want to think about that problem. And you look over there, oh, I don't want to think about that problem. And the, oh, no. And, and, and you have these relational issues, unresolved conflict in your life you know that that is not peace. And so for many times when we discuss Thanksgiving, if you hear, or Christmas or the holidays, and you start hearing people going, ah, oh, I've got to go to so-and-so's house, or ah, oh, and what you're hearing is, there is not peace in my relationship. I have unresolved conflict. I have something I haven't dealt with here. And so on a purely relational level, we're not dealing, neither one of us in a relationship are Jesus, and so there isn't one that's a pillar of truth and righteousness, and the other one is, is total wickedness. It's usually there's some misunderstanding, there's some misconception, there's been some miscommunication, there's been some betrayal, there's been just some, and so there is something that needs to happen from both sides. And so when we want to have peace in our relationships, if we want that kind of peace, there is something important that we learn from that moment with Chamberlain, and that is you have to speak the truth. You have to be honest with each other. And so sometimes you will be the only honest one in the relationship. You will go and you will say, listen, this is, you know, I know we're having this issue. I want to talk about it. And, you know, sometimes, and I've experienced this, I've been this person where I'm like, no, there's nothing wrong with our relationship. We're fine. We're just fine. Let's not talk. Okay. <laughs> Because I don't want to talk. I don't want to hear what the problem is. I don't want to invest the time or think. And so it's necessary to be willing to walk into the pain sometimes and say, what is, what is, what's really going on here? But what is really amazing to me is whether the outside is, things are good, whether relationships are good, there's something that happens when we come to Christ 
that can deal with all of the other things. And so the idea of peace at all costs only works with peace with our creator. If you look at a human relationship and you say peace at all costs, you can literally die of ulcers and not have peace with that person. You can, do, you, you can spend your whole life trying to bridge the gap and reach out to that person and if they don't respond to you, you don't have peace. You can't have peace. And so relationally, we are given this much and that's all we've got. And they're given this much. And unless these two come together, we can't make peace. There are times if you go traveling and you go to different places, there's only so far that you can say peace at all costs. For instance, if I insist that I must always have a fire crackling in my fireplace and I must always have, I don't even have a fireplace, uh, if I must always have the fire in my fireplace and my books and I must, this is my peace spot and I'm gonna spend every day with at least eight or 10 hours just at peace. Well, pretty soon I will be evicted. I'll lose everything because if somebody has to pay for this peace of mine that I'm looking for. And so there is a, there, I can't, I don't have what it takes to purchase peace at all costs on an external level. I don't have the ability to claim peace at all costs with my, with all the relationships I'm in. There will always, and this is, this is the, this is the bitter part of, of growing up and being an adult and walking out into the world. Um, I think specifically it was when, uh, Pastor Michael Catt came to Sherwood Baptist Church and he came in and one of the elders of the church came to him and said, Michael, I just wanted you to know that there's, you know, hundreds of people here that love you and support you. And then there's, you know, several dozen that really don't care about you at all. And then there's about a handful that just hate your guts. And Michael's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Nothing. Well, then why are you telling me? I just, you just need to know that they're here. There's some here that just hate your guts and there's nothing you can do about it. And he was like, well, then. And, he said, and, and the elder was basically saying, if you try to please those who hate your guts, you will not love God or yourself or the people who love you. You'll be so distracted. So it's better to just be aware that there are some people that you can never please and move on. There is that handful. And so peace at all costs doesn't necessarily work in your relationship. I'm going to encourage you to say, to, to take some time. Um, I, I love taking the time and doing inventory like this. Um, it's scary for me personally because I know that if I'm looking, if I, if I look at Raymond, for instance, I'm saying, okay, let me see. In Raymond and my relationship, is there anything that I have done on purpose to hurt him or have not ever tried to make right? And I start going back over time. I'm like, the problem that I run, if I do that is I'm planning, if I run into something, I'm gonna go talk to him about it. And I know that. And so there's some people I don't wanna look at. So I'm like, I don't, I don't wanna consider because maybe there's something there. But there's a great peace when I say, well, I, want, I really want to. And so I take the moment and I swallow hard and I look at the person and I say, is there anything between me and this person that's on my side? Is there anything that I've been given a tool for? And there've been times when I've gone to that person that I was convinced was just one of those people that hated my guts and I've gone to them and said, you know, I'm really sorry about this. And in my mind, it felt like here was this huge iceberg of their offense toward me 
and I come and I pick up like one small little snowflake and I'm like, I'm, I'm really sorry for this little part. But you know what happened when I was sorry for my little part, when I really took the time to say, I'm sorry about this? When I did that, it opened up grace into our relationship. So it wasn't overnight, but there was a thawing. And now, years later, I'm like, well, actually, they don't hate my guts. We kind of have a, we get along. We like each other, more or less. We're not best buds, but they don't hate me. But I would never have known that if I hadn't taken the time to say, is there one little piece on my side? However, the transcending piece that we need in order to do any of this is what we find in John chapter 14. When Jesus is speaking and he's about to head out, he gives these instructions. And I really think we would do well to take them as instructions and not just as nice words, but as actual instructions of what he's, he's telling us, what he's expecting, what we should expect, what will be happening next. So in John 14, 27, so this, this talk is happening after, they've, after the Last Supper, after he's washed their feet. Judas has gone out, and now they're walking, and they're headed on their way up to the garden. And Jesus is speaking many things. One of the things he says in verse 25, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So I think about this, not as the world gives. And so, you know, there I, I, you look at, well, how does the world give peace? Well, if you think purely in a natural sense, um, one of the things I really appreciate about Denver and this whole area here is, you know, there's all these housing developments, but then there's a park. And then there's housing developments and there's a park. And so there's an attempt being made to keep peaceful spots of creation all throughout the area. And that's awesome. And there is a certain amount of peace to be found. Um, I love being able to physically get out there and walk. So the world is trying to give me peace, right? It's trying to give me a, a spot. Another way that the world gives peace is it says, well, if, you know, if we can make this agreement, then we can just have peace. And so I think of someone like Hitler saying, well, why don't we just make peace? And Chamberlain says, okay, I would like peace. And so the, the deal is made. But then Hitler says, I, I really don't intend to keep my side of this. I just wanted you to get off my back because you kept bugging me. And so finally, there is war. I think of, you know, if you go into a workplace or a public place and you're interacting with someone and they would say, well, there would be peace if you just won't share about Jesus. And some of you have not experienced it. Some of you have. And I've been in some of those places where, where the word was, don't talk about politics or religion. I'm like, well, can I talk about life? Can I talk about me and what I'm dealing with? Can I tell you a bit? Because I'm going to tell you something. I can't walk with you for any length of time without referencing to you why I'm even here and able to walk with you. Because there is a God in heaven who has rescued me and he's given me peace. And I, I, I'm going to talk about it. So if I'm not supposed to talk about it, it's going to be a problem. I think of the time when we went into the schools and the, we, were, we were going in to do a character program. And we were 
trying to be so careful because we were supposed to not talk about Jesus, right? And so it got to the point though where when, when they would announce that we were coming, like the, especially this one fifth grade class, the, the, one of the boys came running down the hallway, the Christians are coming, the Christians are coming. And it was no secret. We were all there sharing. And yet it was, you know, and so it's just, it is, we are in a good place where if we can say, you know what, you can try to make your policies, but let me explain something to you. And, and, and it isn't about me convincing you of something, but you have to understand that if you want to know me and understand who I am, you've got to factor in God. You've got to factor in Jesus. If you want meaning from our relationship, Jesus is going to be a factor. It's just going to be part of it. You can tell me what your factors are, what's part of your, your life, but this is who I am. This is just part of where I'm coming from. But the deepest part, the part that we really need the most is that inner peace where I am okay with the fact that God created me, that he put me here in this century, this decade, in this spot with these people surrounding me, and I'm okay with that. Because honestly, I've read bits and pieces of history and be like, why couldn't I have been there? I had a friend who wanted it so much that he was, had his own farm and had, he was trying to do some of the, the, horse, the horse farming and things like they did back in the Civil War era. And he was convinced he should be in the Civil War era. He's telling me all of this, how much he loves it and how he has these horses and this. And then he tells me this other story. And in this story, it involves the horse breaking his arm and various other things. It was, it was a painful story because of the way the arm dangled. And then he takes a car to a hospital and gets his arm set and still has his arm to this day. And I'm thinking, Civil War era, you just lost your arm. Do you really want to live back then? <laughs> because we don't always stop and think what the other time periods are. It is true that when you come to Christ and you, you realize that Emmanuel, God with us, it is true that all of us can at that point say truthfully, looking in the mirror, we can say you were put here for such a time as this. God put you here for this time. That is something that is always true for a believer. God put you here for this time. God has a purpose for you in this time. If you look in Matthew 6, uh, John 16, verse 33, Jesus continues his discussion of peace. Verse, uh, John 16, 33, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And this is the part where I think we can talk about a bold peace. Most of us have experienced an uneasy peace in some relationship. Most of us have, have seen, maybe on a political level, an uneasy peace. Some of us have seen just a lack of peace in general. But there is a bold peace that comes when we understand what Jesus is saying. In the world, you will have tribulation. And so I have to come to grips with the fact that the Creator God has me here at this time. See, I can ask him questions like, okay, when Adam and Eve sinned, why didn't you just blow it all up at the time? Why did you wait until I'm here and now I have to suffer because of the curse as well? What's up with this? And if I take the time to 
first of all, surrender to the king as he's coming and say, what are the conditions of peace? And he tells me, and then I live in those conditions of peace where I take every part of my life and I'm submitting it to him and I'm surrendering to him and he rules my land and he rules everything about me. And if I take this time to hear his heart, I will start to see something more glorious and more beautiful and more loving and more compassionate and more kind and more just than, than I could ever imagine. I will start seeing a God who has interacted with people time over time and time again. And even the fact that Jesus was born fulfilling all those prophecies, I will see the vast patience of God and I will understand that he really does love me, not just me, but all people. He's been reaching out to all people, calling people to himself, and I will see something bigger than myself, and I will say, you know something? I really don't care what all the other people are saying. I don't care what my heart was saying. I don't care how lazy I am, and I just want to have external peace. The thing that I'm willing for all costs, the peace that I want at all costs, is peace with this creator God who loved the world so much that he gave his son. That's the God that I want to be at peace with. And then, as Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And so now, when I have peace with Jesus, it doesn't matter how the externals look. I can suddenly be one of those people who as I am going into war, going into the battle, and as we're in the middle of it and I'm being shot at, I can be laughing with joy and have peace in my heart because even though there is no peace here, there is peace here in my heart with Jesus, with the creator God. And I can walk into whatever the circumstances, whatever the relational peace might be, whatever the external peace might be, it suddenly doesn't matter because I have peace with the creator. And so when I think of Emmanuel, God with us, and I'm looking forward to um, Christmas Eve when we can light this final candle. When, we, when I am there and I get to see Jesus and I, and I walk from my office maybe where I've just prayed and read the word of God and found a little bit of peace, right? But then I can walk into the kitchen where my children are and I can have peace with them because there is peace inside me. I can walk out the door and interact with my neighbors. I can interact with other people at work and always going with me is this peace that, that is from Jesus. And it's a bigger peace and it's a bolder peace than just a, I'm sorry, I'll just be quiet now. It's a confident peace. It's a peace that is willing to walk up to that relationship and say, you know what? Here's my half. Are you willing? And if they say no, I'm like, well, here's my half. And we keep walking and I still have peace. And I don't have to go home and be like, I, you know, I tried and the world was bad today. No, I now know that the world is bad and I expect it to be bad. I expect some relationships to be difficult. I expect some of the external peace to not be there. But I've been told by my king that it will be so. And the condition of peace was not on the condition of my, what's happening around me. The condition of peace was surrender to him. So I surrender it to him and I give it to him. And so that's my desire. It's not that I'm making an uneasy peace or just, 
trying to sell out in, in every relationship or everything, being like, well, I just want to keep the peace. Well, maybe I don't want to keep that peace. Maybe the peace I want to keep is the peace with my creator. And so maybe I don't really care if what I'm standing for makes you uncomfortable. I want to be kind and loving as my creator God is. I also want to be strong and at peace with who I am. I will not apologize to you for the fact that I receive hope and joy and love from my creator. I want that peace. And so yes, I would love to have peace with all mankind. But the greater truth is that because of Jesus, because of Emmanuel, truth is available. Peace is available to all mankind. Peace to men of goodwill. Um, I always, my Bible still has that little thing, you know, because it says, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then it says, in some translations, it says, to men of goodwill. And, uh, and, and at first I'm like, why, why are they changing things? And then I, I'm getting it. Okay, here's the thing. There are some people that no matter how much the God of heaven speaks peace, they will not receive it. They will reject it and reject it and reject it. I myself once walked in positions, and even in recent years, I can tell you some places where I walked where I was rejecting the peace that God was providing for me. But as we come to Christmas, as we come and celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, I am choosing that first and foremost in this area of the inner man, I am going to be at peace with my origins, with how God made me. He's God, he can do that. And I'm going to be at peace with it. And when I'm not at peace, I might have a lamentation or a psalm where I go and talk to him and pour my heart out to him, but I'm going to, that's the peace I'm going to seek at all costs. And then when that is in place, then I will enjoy the external peace that I walk into. I will enjoy the relational peace that I walk into, but I will not allow the relationships that aren't working to steal the peace from, the relation, from, from my relationship with God or the relationships that are. And if you've ever been in a situation where, you, you kn- where there might be one relationship in a family where that it's not functioning right, and pretty soon you have to say to each other, listen, it doesn't really matter what they are doing. We need to be able to enjoy each other's presence and to love each other. If all we ever do is come together and talk about how this has fallen apart, then nobody is benefiting from our relationship. We can't do that. And so yes, we know that this relationship is not functioning. And yes, that's sad. And yes, we're praying. And yes, we're willing to do our part. But we also have these relationships. So as you go into Christmas, look inside. See, are you okay with the way God made you? Are you okay with the fact that he put you here and now in this place? Are you okay with the family he's put around you? Thank him for all of those things. Be at peace. Surrender all of that to him. He, will, he is the king of peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Christ has overcome the world, even in the fact of him being born according to the prophecy. I think that's a miracle. When I think of the fact, um, one time in a deliverance situation, I heard a, a very demonic voice, not belonging to the person that was being operated, quoting scripture at us from a demonic perspective. Okay, so here's the thing. If, the, if a demonic voice can quote scripture, what was, what was keeping them from understanding the full prophecy? 
but they played right into it, even down to the voice of was heard in Rhema, Rachel weeping for her children. The enemy just played right into it. And so from when you look at the whole story, the enemy, while trying so hard to stop Jesus, just fulfilled the very words of God over and over and over again. That's the king I'm serving, and that's the king I submitted myself to. If he can take the very hate and vitriol of the enemy and turn it around and say, prophecy fulfilled, he can do anything. And my peace is in him and in his power. And so even now, the enemy of our souls might have some things against you for this season and might have some designs against you, but I'm gonna tell you this, submit to Christ. Resist the devil, he will flee from you, and the things that were meant for evil, God's gonna turn those around if you submit and surrender. So a bold peace is not a shrinking violet kind of peace where we are like, well, I'm just going to stay over here because if I go over there, it'll cause trouble. Occasionally, you might have to do that. But for the most part, a bold peace allows you to walk right into the middle of the trouble with a smile and with love and with compassion and patience and you'll allow God to work through you into that circumstance. And maybe not today, maybe next year, maybe the year after that. But you don't worry about it because this is your God you're serving and you can submit to him anywhere. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you have given us a peace that passes understanding, a peace that the world can't give and the world can't take it away. Lord, you've given us a peace with you that is so much better than the peace of the world. And Father, I think of all the peace treaties over the years that have been signed and how many of them were just a, just a precursor to the war that was coming. And yet, Lord, when we make peace with you, it's eternal peace. It's peace not just here and now, but it's peace for eternity. And so I thank you that you have offered us peace with you because of Jesus Christ. And I ask for everyone that's here, Lord, that you would do battle on our behalf, that this Christmas season give us clarity of eyes to be able to see where we need to repent and ask forgiveness so that we might have peace with others, but also give us confidence and love that we'd be able to walk into uncertain relationships and to love people and to remember how much you loved us that you gave yourself. And Lord, help us to love others with your love and that we'd be willing to give ourselves into these relationships. Father, give us peace. Give us peace, a bold and a daring peace in the midst of whatever tribulation we might bump into this week. We love you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.